Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Futuristic thinking, imagining, envisioning, projecting, and predicting what has not yet been realized. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, alongside Ron Price. Ron, great to be with you. Good to be with you, Dale. This conversation we've been having for me is both exciting and scary at the same time. (laughs) Absolutely, talking about futuristic thinking. So Ron is the co-author of The Complete Leader, the foundation for this podcast. Uh, The book lays out core competencies of high-performing leaders and how to grow those skills within yourself. This podcast dives in deep to each one of those specific core competencies. You can follow along in the book and on the podcast. Also, Ron just co-authored The Innovator's Advantage with Evans Bio, which is very pertinent to this conversation around being a futuristic thinker. So um, this is our third conversation uh, from a podcast perspective, our third episode. Let's go back and, and give some context and lay a foundation for this concept of futuristic thinking. It's one of the more difficult leadership skills that you see out there, and you've got the data to prove it. Yes, great. So yes, we do have research that shows that this is an underdeveloped skill in most leaders. And I think it's because it's imprecise and it's not urgent, but it is important if we're going to create a better future. And um, we've been talking about different ways that you can naturally grow your futuristic thinking skills. So we talked about reading Futurists, the people who write about this all the time, they're going to expand your thinking. What I love about reading a book is I think when I'm reading a book that I'm renting somebody else's ideas, and they not only go into my conscious mind, but they enter my subconscious mind. And a lot of times if I've read two or three or four authors about a particular topic, that all works in my subconscious mind, and someday it pops out as a a mashed or an aggregated idea, which now is original because I essentially created a new recipe using ingredients that other people have used, but never put them together quite the way that I put them together. So I like to say that when I'm reading, I'm renting. Mm -hmm. And when it comes back out of me, now I own it. Now, Now it belongs to me. And you've got it now for the rest of your life. It's a part of the way that you think as a leader going forward. So the first way we talked about is read these futuristic thinkers. We also talked about how you begin to do futuristic thinking yourself by starting today and just start going forward. What am I going to do next week, next month, next year? That that's another way to develop your futuristic thinking skills. By the way, Dale, you could go the opposite direction. You could say, what do I want things to look like 10 years from now? And in order for to get, for, to get there, what do they have to look like seven years from now, five? You can go the other direction and you're developing your futuristic thinking skills the same way. And then we've also talked about how important it is to uh, pay attention to um, people around you who you recognize are futuristic thinkers. And instead of just writing them off as being unrealistic or dreamers, start listening to what they're saying. Not because you can do or all of a sudden you're going to change your whole strategy for next month because of them, but because they're conditioning your thinking. They're making your mind more fertile for futuristic thinking by listening to the things that they're contemplating, that they're thinking about. So as we think about 
the reading, the thinking from that perspective. Um, you mentioned also that it's a good idea to connect with, find those people to uh, to just hang out with and spend time with. What are some other things that we can do? Um, and we, we just hit on briefly this idea of ideation. Yeah, so first, ideation is something that we wrote about quite a bit in The Innovator's Advantage. And I did mention in our last podcast that the innovator's advantage is a blueprint for futuristic thinking. It takes you through six stages that are well-developed to take an idea and move it through the process so that you create some new value. You innovate, which means that you've created new value that other people appreciate. In the work that we do with organizations around innovation, one of the things that's been interesting for me to observe is that one of their greatest roadblocks to success is this term that we call ideation. It's the ability to create new ideas. And uh, there's a study that we write about in the Innovator's Advantage where um, this was an average of looking across all industries globally, they found that it takes 3,000 ideas to come up with one new disruptive idea that's commercially successful. 3,000! And what we've discovered in our work with our clients is it's very, very difficult to come up with 100 ideas. So we don't have enough ideas to do the kind of futuristic thinking that we should. And the biggest obstacle to creating more and more ideas is that we want to evaluate our ideas as soon as they come up, or a lot of us evaluate our, evaluate our ideas before we open our mouths. We have an idea. Oh, I'm not going to share that. Oh, everybody's going to think that's stupid. I don't know my how many. I don't know how many times, Dale, I've said to one of our team members, "I've got this idea, and I think it's probably a terrible idea, but I'm going to go ahead and share it." And then I share it, and they say, "Why would you think that was terrible, Ron?" It's amazing how our own mind argues with us to tell us that our ideas are no good. And this is the biggest roadblock to futuristic thinking is that we're not willing to consider enough ideas to come up with the good ones. You, you talk to people who are great innovators, and they'll always tell you that the idea that really won the game for them was never the original idea they had. But if they hadn't had that original idea, they, they wouldn't have gotten to the idea that was the real game changer. So talk about the, the specific way you lead that exercise for ideation, because I've been a part of it and it works really well and it, it gets you out of that mindset of, well, that's a bad idea. Yeah. The biggest thing that I focus on, and there are different ways I approach it depending on the group, but the biggest thing I focus on is I want to make you feel a sense of urgency about creating a quantity of ideas in such a quick period of time that you can't take any time to evaluate them. So I'm trying to get you to turn that part of your brain off. It's really going back in a way to childhood creativity. When you're a kid, you, you just do this stuff. You don't evaluate it. You just, if you think back to your childhood, we all did things that we were generating all kinds of ideas and just playing with them. And when we become adults, we don't think we can play anymore. So we become judges of everything. So this concept of how many ideas can we generate in how short of a time, sometimes I do it by, depending on the group, I'll say, you need to come up with 20 ideas in five minutes. And we pick a topic that they're going to generate ideas around. In this particular instance, when you and I were working together, we asked the group to come up with 100 ideas. And I don't remember how much time. I think we gave them 30 minutes or 40 minutes. 20. 20. <laughs> so the whole idea is to force people to quit judging and evaluating 
and just start generating because that's what gets us ideating in a way that's going to create this plethora, this multitude of ideas. We'll go back and look at them differently later. I did this once with an R&D group in uh, Southeast Asia from a major uh, beverage company, a global beverage company. We had about 120 people together for three days, and they wanted me to lead them through this whole process of ideation. You know, Dale, for the first day of that session with them, we didn't do anything that had anything to do with their business. We just played games. I was getting them used to ideating around something that didn't have any consequence so that they wouldn't judge. So they played games like how high they could stack up a bunch of index cards and they competed against each other. And We threw a bunch of toys on these round tables and they had to come up with products out of these toys or these different kinds of materials. And none of it was relevant to their business. Why in the world would I do that? Because I find that people do better when there are no stakes involved. They're more creative when they don't feel that they're going to be judged by it. After they got used to doing that, now we began to introduce some of the problems and opportunities that were currently evident in their business. And then on the third day, as teams, they started to develop solutions around what we defined as these problems and opportunities. So we were going through the first three stages of the innovator's advantage. And at the end of that third day, each of these teams made a pitch to the senior management of this company about a new product that they were recommending developing. And I was sitting with the senior managers who were the judges of this competition. And we're about halfway through these presentations, and one of the senior engineers leaned over to me and said, they just solved a problem we've been trying to solve for 20 years. These, some of the best engineers in the world had not been able to solve this problem, and these were mostly younger people I was working with, and they had come up with a solution. How did they do it? They got enough ideas to get there, and they played with them, and they, they went through this period of turning off their judgments so that they could generate more and more and more ideas. So this is a very important part of futuristic thinking, is learning how to create a very high quantity of ideas and then coming back and playing with those ideas in different ways. So every morning is part of the journaling exercise. Just make it a habit yeah. of 20 ideas on the paper. Yep. And at first you'll say, how do I get to 20? And a lot of times people get stuck around eight or nine and they, they think, how am I going to get there? And then there's a breakthrough all of a sudden where they, it's like a whole new horizon opens up to them. And suddenly they're thinking more creatively. They're doing futuristic thinking. Right there. Yep. All right. So what are some of the other things that we can do? Well, the last thing I'd like to talk about that has been really helpful to me through the years is I've really made it a, a practice, a discipline of reading trends. So what I mean about reading trends is there are organizations, associations, groups out there that their whole job is to look out on the horizon and understand what's happening in the marketplace. So one, one great example of that would be understand the demographics of the time that we're living in. Understand that we have baby boomers retiring. We have, in the United States, we have 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 years old every day. And we don't have enough Xers, which is the next generation, to take their place. So leadership is shifting quickly to what we call the millennials or the Gen Ys. And that's been written about. A lot of people are talking about that. Hey, guess what? Just around the corner, you have the next group, which some people are calling it Gen Z. Some people are calling them the I generation. Yeah. Yeah. 
They have a whole nother set of characteristics. So that's a demographic trend, and people are writing about that. And if you read what they're writing or listen to their podcast, you're developing futuristic thinking around demographics. Their quality trends, their healthcare trends, their technology trends, they're all these big trends. And some of them are very specific to the industry that you're in, the kind of organization where you lead. So find the publications that write about that. For us, because we work in leadership, one of the organizations that that publishes every year a fantastic uh, white paper on trends that's usually 60, 70, 80 pages long is Deloitte. It's called Human Capital Trends. It comes out every year around February or March, and we learn something new that's relevant to what we're doing every year. Another company, McKenzie, did a great study on why leadership development programs fail. That's really important to us because we do leadership development. So they're identifying these trends. They have access to data that I would never get access to. So whatever the trends are that are important in your business or in your organization, find out who's writing about those trends and religiously read what they're writing. And it's going to help you develop your futuristic thinking skills. I, I think it's easy to find this stuff now. Yeah. I mean, just a search and hopefully you're plugged into your industry, whatever industry that is. So you know where to go because the data is there. Yep. And Trends you know, are there. and Dale, I said that that was the last idea, but I really do have another idea for futuristic Perfect. thinking one more. And this is that when you bring all this together, when you've done these things of reading other people and hanging out with people who are innovative and practicing starting today and going forward and using the innovator's advantage, six stages and studying trends, when you've done all that, now you bring that together and you do something that we call scenario planning. It's where you create multiple futures to think about and to prepare you so that as you move into the future, you have a diversity of ideas that you can apply, or you have different, what we call different contingencies that you can apply. So there are four scenarios that we have groups and leaders work on as they think about the future. The first scenario we call the utopian scenario. That's if I was the creator of the universe and I have a blank canvas and I can create anything I want. And we tell people, you've got to forget about all of the constraints here. You've got to create the magical future if you could just wave a magic wand and it happened. Of course, we're never going to actually plan according to that, but it gets us thinking about the ideal. The second is the other end of that. We call it the doomsday scenario. So what if everything that could go wrong does go wrong? What would you do? How would you survive it? How would you recreate yourself? And the reality is some businesses, some organizations are facing doomsday and they won't survive if they don't think about and anticipate how they can reinvent themselves around the worst that could happen. The third scenario that we talk about is what is your preferred scenario? It's not really utopian because you know you don't control the universe and you don't have a magic wand, but what would you like the future to look like within the context of what you think is realistic? What would I want it to be? And then the fourth scenario that we build a plan around is what we call the probable scenario. Well, based on what's happening today without anything really disruptive happening that we can't anticipate right now, this is what we think it's going to look like two or three or 10 years from now. So we work on developing detailed pictures of those four scenarios. You know what happens when you do that? 
All of that is developing your futuristic thinking skills more so that now when you come down and say, okay, now we're going to move into developing and making strategic decisions of what we're going to do, you've got such a richer background that you're thinking from that the quality of your decisions is going to be better. And in the process, you're becoming a very accomplished futuristic thinker. You have given us a set of actionable steps uh, over the course of these last three podcast conversations. It is all now about putting it into action. So uh, thank you very much for leading us down the road to being better futuristic thinkers. I appreciate it. I hope I've shown just a little bit of enthusiasm for this Just a little bit. It's been, uh, (laughs) I've got a list going in my mind. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to make it part of a a daily habit, really. It has to be a habit. It's not something that you can just pull out uh, during strategic planning time whenever that happens during your, your calendar year. And one of the great things, Dale, is that if you develop your futuristic thinking skills because they're underdeveloped in others, you're going to stick out. Mm. It's going to make you a profound and influential and impactful leader. Absolutely. Really, it's helping you become the complete leader. Absolutely. And on that's a great note to leave it on. So we would appreciate if you would rate and review the podcast. Go into iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Hopefully we've earned those five stars. Write a sentence or two about what this means to you. Also, we would love to have you visit the website, thecompleteleader.org. You will find a lot of resources right there uh, to grow your leadership skills. Also, the other book that we've talked about often, The Innovator's Advantage by Evans Baya and Ron Price. Those are all available on the website, anywhere where you buy books, including Audible. You can get audio versions. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org. 